the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a privilege. My privilege. Today is Monday, August the 24th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on August 24, A.D. 79, the long dormant Mount Vesuvius erupted, bearing the Roman cities of Pompeii and several other smaller cities around it. Estimated 20,000 people died. It was sudden. It was a sudden death. In fact, I've seen some of the pictures and read some of the stories that archaeologists have unearthed over the years. I remember seeing one picture of a woman who was putting a, looked like a loaf of bread or something in a baking oven, and she was bent over putting it in there. She was actually frozen in the moment. Uh, the the eruption happened so quickly, and it consumed everything and everyone so quickly that people didn't even have a chance to I mean, there was no even attempt to protect themselves. They were just simply frozen into that moment in ash. It just kind of reminds us that life is fragile. And um, we want to be sure we're living it in sync with God, not in sync with uh, all of the options that are out there today. That happened today, August 24, AD 79. Today, on August 24, A.D. 410, Rome was overrun by the Visigoths. It's a major event in the fall of the Western Roman Empire. The Visigoths were basically German or Germanic uh, barbarians, and they lived around the kind of the northern, uh, maybe western borders of the Roman Empire at that time. They they lived in kind of a peaceful coexistence, much like our colonists did when we um, first started selling America with England. Uh, they lived in kind of a peaceful coexistence, but as things began to not feel comfortable for them and they began to feel crowded, there's volumes have been written about this. I've studied the rise and fall of the Roman Empire as a pastor over the years because I was very interested in it because we see too many parallels unfortunately, with our own republic. It was, Rome was a republic, as you know. But anyway, these guys, these Ro- uh, German uh, barbarians, they finally <clears throat> decided to react, and they kind of got organized, and they came into Rome, and they actually breached the border into Rome itself. And the Roman government was involved in so many wars in other places that they didn't have the uh, necessary forces to protect their own city within. They were spread out all over the the known world at that time, and they didn't have the forces to subdue them. So history says they settled them, meaning they worked out some kind of a compromise, and they allowed them to sort of integrate into the culture, and these guys were there to bring down the Roman Empire. And most all history that I've read will say, and they admit, 
that this was probably one of the main features that brought down the Roman Empire. There were other things, obviously corruption, and, and that was tantamount. But the fact that they just settled these people in, they were not of the Roman mindset. They did not try to assimilate. <clears throat> they didn't try to uh, kind of fit into the culture. They had one thing in mind, and that was to destroy. And Rome thought they could strike a co uh, compromise from their weakness and everything would be just fine. Kind of reminds me of what's going on in our cities today in Seattle, Portland, Denver, now over the weekend, Kenosha, Wisconsin, yesterday, Sunday. It's amazing. It's kind of what's happening. These people really aren't, really have very little to do with Black Lives Matter anymore. It's really about destroying the foundations of this nation because they hate America. The reason I know they do is because they say so. And they say it often. Some things never change. Whether it's AD 410 or Monday, August 24, 2020, it's human nature remains the same, doesn't it? Today in 1814, during the War of 1812, British forces invaded Washington, D.C. They set fire to the Capitol, which was still under construction. They tried to set fire. They did, actually, to the White House. Some other public buildings, again, that sounds all too familiar to us, doesn't it? Today in 1932, Amelia Earhart, she embarked on a 19-hour flight from Los Angeles to Newark, New Jersey, making her the first woman to fly solo nonstop from coast to coast. Today in 1949, the North Atlantic Treaty came into force. Today in 1954, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a Communist Control Act that outlawed commun the Communist Party in the United States. It's active today, but it outlawed it for that period of time at least. Today, in 1968, France became the world's fifth nuclear power, thermonuclear power. It exploded a hydrogen bomb in the South Pacific. And that's a few of the things that happened today, Monday, August 24th. I want to talk to you a little bit about, the, uh, about last week's Democratic Convention, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about this week's Republican Convention, then I want to talk to you a little bit today about what Bernie and Biden really believe and how much they agree on how many issues. It turns out that the four days last week with the, uh, the Zoom telethon type convention and the Republicans, they start theirs today, but the telethon type convention didn't do what most conventions do. And admittedly, it's probably because it wasn't the big crowd in a stadium and, and so on. But usually the Democrat candidates and the Republican candidates following their conventions, political conventions, in a presidential year, usually they get a bump, Gallup says this morning, of about five points. Joe Biden didn't get any points. They say it remains static. It's just as it was before that convention. Nothing has changed. It seemed to me as I watched a part of that, I couldn't handle all of it. I mean, I admittedly am biased. I wouldn't be doing this program live every day if I wasn't 
biased. I'm biased first and foremost in regards to the kingdom of God. Having been a pastor most of my life, my adult life, and traveled in mission evangelism for several years, building churches all over the world, particularly in some of the darkest, most corrupt places on this earth. We try to light a light and light a candle of the gospel of Jesus Christ and work with the local people and local missionaries, one thing or another, and start a church. We started a lot of them, 149 of them all over the world. Most of them are thriving today. I don't keep in touch with all of them, but many of them do, or I get secondhand messages. They're doing great. But I've seen some of the darkest human experiences in the world. And we were in cities as well, Seoul, Korea, and other places. But we were in some of the really remote villages. One thing I have noticed that people, wherever I've been on this planet, are pretty much the same. They have the same needs, the same desires, really, the same fears. Even if they, whether they live in a little hut with a dirt floor, and I've been there, done that. Or they live in a high rise in Hong Kong. I've been there as well. Big church in uh, Hong Kong. In fact, in one of the high rises there, I was a regular speaker when I was going through that part of the of the world. But it doesn't matter where we are or in America. We're basically the same because one God created us all. So I watched that infomercial, what I called it last week. I watched it from a pastor's point of view, a ministry point of view, probably more than a political one, but I watched it politically as well. But it seemed like they were selling hard all week, but you never quite knew what they were selling. It was kind of an kind of an infomercial with no product. And you sit on TV and you watch it and you think, well, man, I wonder what they're selling. And finally they say, well, thank you for, you know, here's our, you know, phone number or whatever. And they're not selling a product. That's how I view, personally, how I viewed this, the Democratic Convention last week as an infomercial. They weren't selling anything. And so probably for that reason, they didn't get a bump coming out of their convention and the other, you know, circumstances that we're all dealing with as a result of this Chinese virus. Former Vice President Joe Biden, he didn't see any measurable increase. Neither did any of the other candidates that are running in this November election. The nine-point percentage lead that Biden holds over Trump is static. It's the same as it was week before this past week. As some of the posters said this morning, they said nothing has changed. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But unlike that, the Republican Party came out this morning uh, and they they have published uh, their agenda, Trump's agenda and the Republican agenda for the next for the next four years. And I'm not going to go through all of it because I don't have the time, but I will tell you. Uh, it's very interesting. It's it's quite detailed, but they reduced it down. I mean, there's a lot of backup and source material behind this, but there must be, I didn't count them, there must be 40 items here, and they're all bullet points, and they're all under subheads. And uh, there's one 
had one category of things that they are planning to do is under jobs. And it, it says the bullet points are create 10 million new jobs in 10 months, create 1 million new small businesses, cut taxes to boost take-home pay and keep jobs in America, enact fair trade deals, made in America tax credits, expand opportunity, opportunity zones, continue deregulatory agenda for energy independence, those kind of things. They talk about eradicating COVID. They have four talking points there or bullet points. The end of reliance on China, that's a big deal. Uh, Trump is very committed to that. There's six, five, there's five bullet points there. Healthcare, education. Under education, there's two things, but they're huge. One, provide school choice to every child in America. And number two is teach courses on American exceptionalism as opposed to teaching how bad America is. When Barack Obama was president, the first thing he did was take off to all these other countries, particularly in the Middle East, and would apologize. I mean, he did it so much and so consistently that it's be his tour in this newly minted President Obama, his tour became known as the Apology Tour. And it, it, it just, I mean, of course America's made mistakes. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Anyway, under the Republican uh, heading, there's a drain the swamp. And one of the things there that caught my attention was uh, Trump is going to attempt to pass congressional term limits. <clears throat> that would be almost impossible because congressmen get settled into their jobs. Congress people get settled into their jobs. And somehow, even if they intended to be a public servant, they get so comfortable and so well they're pretty well taken care of. I mean, they've got a lot of benefits that us ordinary folk out here across America often don't have, that they kind of transition from being a public servant to becoming a public recipient. And they get to a point where they kind of go along to get along because they really don't want to make waves and they go home and tell the little people in their district, wherever that may be. And I'm talking about both sides of the aisle, not just Democrats, but Republicans do it as well. They come home and tell us we're fighting for you and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to sound cynical. I'm not at all. My heart is toward God and the kingdom of God. And that's why we do what we do here. But I got to be honest with you. I watch these guys and I've been in Washington, D.C. a lot and in Olympia and, and other state capitals and Boise and Salem and so on. Man, I see these guys, they change, particularly when they go from the West here out to D.C. They become part of a kind of a different world and they professionally represent us, but not really. They become folded in to a culture. Some call it the deep state. I don't know if they become involved in that, but there is such a thing, and they certainly become allied to some degree with it. Not all, but too many politicians. Anyway, part of the drain the swamp agenda for the Republicans for the next four years is to pass congressional term limits. I would love to see that happen. Believe me, I would. I've heard all the arguments as to why we shouldn't do that. None of them stand up to us ordinary folks out here.
believe me. Defunding the police, they want to, the Republicans say they're going to fully fund and hire more police and law enforcement officers, increase criminal penalties, that kind of thing, end illegal immigration, protect American workers. They've got about six, seven talking points under that. Uh, and they're real act, they're action points, actually more than talking points. I mean, they're, they're actionable. And here's what we're going to do. And then below that, it tells you how they're going to do it. Will they accomplish all this? Probably not, but at least they have a plan and you can read it and see it. And I haven't seen anything like that from the other side. I really haven't. And finally, they have a America first foreign policy, stop endless wars, bring our troops home, get allies to pay their fair share, maintain, build a a great cybersecurity defense system and missile defense system and so on. So those are the things that are on the agenda for the Republican Party. That's what they'll be talking about this week. I'll be talking a little bit about what they talked about the night before, beginning tomorrow, whatever they talk about tonight. We'll probably take a look at that tomorrow to see what they're thinking and what they're up to. Amid the rioters and the shutdown in the streets, Seattle, Portland, Denver, of all places, last night, Sunday night in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the city fell into chaos. There was another police shooting of a black man. The details are just coming out this morning. I haven't had a time a chance to look at them in depth, but it happened last night. The rioters were doing the same thing they're doing in other cities. A lot of, in a lot of cases, not all cases, but many of them, Denver is an example. People who are heading up these riots are busing people in, leaders. They're trained. The two co-founders of Black Lives Matter, two women, have both said one of, the, one of them, their last name is Collard. I can't remember the name of the other one. But they have told the the press repeatedly, it's not a secret or a slip of tongue. They said, we are trained Marxists. We believe in cultural Marxism. And that's what we're about. So that's what's driving a lot of this. And some of the ancillary or the allied organizations that are coming and, and aligning themselves with the Black Lives Matter, which was founded by two women, black women, who say they are trained by Marxists, and they are Marxists in their philosophy. So all of this alignment begins to make sense when you turn on the light and sort of pull back some of the curtains and look, you know, kind of backstage of these matters. But we live in times when it could be very fearful. It could be, well, they are perilous times, and it could really take a toll on us. Suicides are up in America as a result of all that's going on. COVID matter people isolated for long periods of time, the uncertainty, the depression of staying locked up or the fear of getting the virus if we're not locked up. All of these things are going on in our world today and there's so much fear. And yet in the in the midst of all of this, we are being called upon to make the most, probably the most important decision that America has made, at least I'm convinced, since Abraham Lincoln and slavery. I do believe that with all my heart. I want to take a look just for a moment today, a little bit, about how, what kind of philosophies are happening, what's going on in our country as far as this election is concerned. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So let's take a couple of minutes
here today and just look at that. Bernie and Biden have the same goals, according to Barack Obama. In an interview with the far-left New Yorker magazine, Barack Obama, who is currently running the Democratic Party, he said, if you look at Joe Biden's goals and Bernie's goals, they're not that much different, especially from 40,000 foot level. I don't know, but maybe that's the only vision that he and some of the others have of America is 40,000 feet up in a private jet. But most of us live here in the real world. And we want to know how do Joe Biden's goals and Bernie Sanders goals match up because they seem to be polar opposite. Biden claims to be deeply religious. Bernie has intimated that he's an atheist. Now he denies it, but he says his religion is just kind of a hodgepodge of things. He said it's something that he actually made up himself. I mean, those are his words, not mine. He said he drew it from the, um, he drew it from the, um, his, his mother taking him to the synagogue, they're Jewish, and then taking him to other Hindu, Buddhist, Eastern mysticism type events. So he's kind of come up with this religion. It's kind of a pantheistic kind of religion that God is in all things. And Bernie says, Bernie says that, uh, that he's, <laughs> that he's a religious person, but he said, it's my own religion. He said, I am who I am. Those are his words. So you got Biden on the one hand, who's deeply religious as a Catholic, he says, and you got Bernie who says, I'm not at all religious. I have my own religion. And, o and Obama, who's running the Democratic Party, you've got him saying, oh, they're just the same. That should be concerning to every Christian, particularly the six to seven million who voted for Hillary and Barack Obama when they ran for president. It's concerning how Christians claiming to be evangelical Christians can vote for a system. This isn't about personality and it's not about political party. I'm talking about one nation under God and how we can rationalize that kind of action in the face of God and in the face of the circumstances and the course of human events that are ours today. I don't know, but I think this is a time when we need to take a real look, a hard look, a deep look at who we are and what we believe. I think we need to take a look at what we're all about. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for um, your support. Those of you here in Seattle want to thank you. We're not quite up to budget, but we're working on it. Thank you to those of you who are supporting us. Thank you to those of you who are considering it. You can contribute to us at, um, at Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can go online, faithandfreedom.us, and you can donate online. Thank you so much for your support. I'll see you right here tomorrow.